Turn your Bibles to Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter number 26. Pray for my son this morning. Y'all probably heard him between songs, had a little coughing spell. And he's not feeling the best in the world. And just pray for little Barrett right there. So he's okay, but, but we need prayers for him. Isaiah chapter number 26. And we're going to read one verse. Will you stand to honor the reading of God's Word, please, this morning? Isaiah chapter number 26, verse number 3. says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we praise you this morning because you're worthy. God, had you not done anything for us this morning, Lord, you're still worthy. But God, you've blessed us so much. God, you blessed us with a wonderful day to serve you. God, you blessed us with a wonderful church to be in this morning. And God, you blessed us with fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that you would bless each one that's here this morning. God, bless them for their effort of being here. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. God, I pray that you would touch me. God, help me, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost do the preaching this morning, God, because I stand absolutely unworthy this morning to preach. God, I just pray that you would touch your people. God, touch those Christians this morning, Lord, who may be struggling with something. God, there may be somebody here this morning, no doubt, knowing what the message is, God, that somebody is dealing with something. God, I just pray that you would touch their heart even right now before the, the message even commences. God, I pray that you would convict the lost people this morning. God, let them know that, that without you, Lord, that there's no hope. And God, all they've got to live for is, is this life. And Lord, that's absolutely hopeless. God, give me clarity of speech, clarity of mind to proclaim your word and your word alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah chapter number 26, uh, the book of Isaiah, sometimes if you're just reading through the Bible, is a hard book to get through sometimes. I'm, I'm not going to stand here and act like that everything in Isaiah is the easiest to read or the easiest to understand because that would be a, a, a dishonest statement, wouldn't it, Brother Gary? Some things are, are hard to understand and some of it's prophecy, but I think Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3 is, is pretty simple to understand. It, it doesn't take a, a great theologian to understand that thou will keep him in perfect peace. And then here's the phrase I want to key in on, the phrase that I want to focus on and preach on this morning. It says this, that you will have perfect peace if, what? Your mind is stayed on God. This morning I want to preach for just a little while, if I can, and pray for me on the battle of your mind. The battle of your mind. That This is not necessarily what I wanted to preach. I prayed and prayed and prayed. But God laid this message on my heart. And I believe a message like this is going to go out to some people. Because I believe this, that sometimes, if we're not careful, we come to church and we, we act kind of fake. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory manner. I'm not saying that to try to make somebody mad. What I'm saying is, is that sometimes we come to church and we're dealing with things and there are things going on in our mind and we come in and we just smile and act like everything's okay. 
But yet so many times we come into church and we, or we just live our lives, whatever the situation may be, and there is a literal battle going on in our mind. Jesus said in three Gospels, there was a lawyer walked up to Him and He said, Lord, what is the most important commandment? And He says that you worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It is very important this morning that you understand that, that we worship God with our souls, we worship God with our heart, but we also worship Him with our mind. See, God wants your mind to be stayed upon Him. God wants your mind to wholly, all the time, be fixed upon Him. But so many times, it's not. It's not that we don't want it to be. It's not that I'm saying that we're out here living ungodly, sinful lives. That's, that's not what I'm saying this morning. But I'm just saying that sometimes our mind can get so far away from God that well, we can just get messed up sometimes. Have you ever been messed up? I know that's not the, the, necessarily the politically correct way to say something, but sometimes we just get in a condition and we're, and we're just not in the right mindset, if you will. You've heard people and you, you've, you've heard the old phrases, well, they've lost their mind or they must be out of their mind or, or things like that. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll get to that condition. And, and God says that, that if you want perfect peace in your life, that you have to keep your mind stayed upon Him. I like peace, don't you? I like peace in my life. I like things to be going smoothly. I like everything to be okay. And God said you can have that perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon Him. Because if your mind gets focused on other things, if you get to looking around in the world and you get your mind off the Lord, there's not going to be any peace. There's going to be turmoil. There's, going to be, there's just going to be a battle going on and, and things would not look good. The battle for your mind is generally and, and always basically is fought between two people or, or two beings, if you will. And that, that's the most, the, the most simple thing you could ever think of, that God and Satan are in a constant battle for your mind. Satan wants your mind this morning. Satan wants your mind. I was talking to a preacher yesterday. I went down to, to uh, I don't even know where I was, somewhere in, way off from here, Dayton, Tennessee, I believe is where I was. And I was talking to a preacher. And we had a good conversation. And, and he talked about how that the world is, is wanting the minds of our children. How many of you have children? Just raise your hand. Any of you got children? I've got, I've got two children. One of them's trying to get away from his mama right now. And I've got a little four-year-old baby girl. She's back in, in children's church this morning, Shaylee and Barrett. And I have to constantly watch what I allow my kids to see. Because the devil wants their mind. If he can get their mind while they're young, then there's a good chance he can get their mind for the rest of their lives. Young parents like me and, and Brother Tanner and some of you other folks this morning, we have to be constantly vigilant about what we allow our children to see, what we allow our children to do. Now, I'm not standing here this morning saying you have to be a tyrant, but I'm just saying that you need to be watching your kids. Because if you're saved this morning, God has given you your children, not just so that you can raise them, but God has entrusted them to you because they're actually His. Those are not my children. Those are God's children. You agree with that statement? And Satan is after their minds. 
Then you grow up into adulthood and, or into teenage years and on into adulthood and Satan is still there fighting the battle for your mind. I couldn't imagine, I'm, I'm not that old, I'm 32 years old, to some people that's kind of old, but I can't imagine what it would like, be like to be a teenager in schools these days. I would hate to face that, wouldn't you Brother Gary? I would hate to be a teenager. I'm, I'm just being real with you this morning because there's no other way to be. I'm not going to stand here and act like that, that I'm somebody I'm not. I would hate to have to deal with some of the things that our teenagers deal with in school. Satan's out to get their mind. He's out to infiltrate them. He's out to invade them and take over their mind and try to turn them against God. And, and you would think as you get older it would get easier. But I've, I've talked to several older people and I found out that it doesn't. That even as you get older and, and, and you, you start growing old and you get that nice gray hair, that, that good hair that shows that you've got some wisdom, got some experience under your belt. And you would think, well, after all these years of fighting the battle, after all these years at Satan and, and you've defeated him and you've stayed true to the Lord and you've kept your mind upon him, you would think it would be easy, but then sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. I'm going to give you some things that the devil, some, some tools that the devil uses. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says that Satan is trying to get an advantage of the Christian. That Satan is trying to, to gain upon us. Satan is trying to defeat us. But then 2 Corinthians says that we're not ignorant of his devices. Satan has some devices. Did you know that? When you go to battle, you take some implements with you. You take some instruments of war with you. A battle is never fought by unarmed people. And Satan is no different than when he attacks your mind. When he battles your mind, he has some tools. The first tool that I think is, is very prevalent in our society, and especially for children and teenagers, is that Satan uses that tool or uses the device of distraction. He tries to distract you. What is a distraction? Well, it's simple. It's not hard to understand that a distraction is simply something that gets your mind off of what it should be focused on. I, I, when I'm going through my life, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm easily distracted. I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes I'll be, I'm supposed to be focusing on a task and, and something will happen and, and I, I can get offline like that. And I have to constantly pay attention. I have to constantly make sure that I'm paying attention to the task at hand or I'll get distracted and get off topic and probably won't get it done like I'm supposed to. And there's so many things. Our lifestyle in general, the lifestyle that we live today is all about distractions. I mean, you wake up in the morning, and, and I don't know if some of you do this, some of you may not, but we wake up in the morning sometimes, and we roll over, and our phone goes off, and, and if you're like a lot of people, the first thing you do in, in the day is pick up your telephone. Some of you may not be guilty of it, but some of you are. I'll, I'll just tell you, phones are a distraction, aren't they? Take a sidebar, time out for a minute. <laughs> Can I tell you all something? You know what I can't stand? When I'm trying to talk to somebody and they're using their phone. <laughs> Does that get on y'all's nerves too? Alright, time back in. I, I made some of you mad, didn't I? But we, we constantly are distracted. I believe that one of the first things that you should do when you start your day is begin your day with the Lord. 
If you want to have a good day, if you want your day to be a success, if you want everything to go better in your day, you would be more well off to roll over, turn your alarm off, and instead of picking your phone up, pick your Bible up. Or kneel down next to your bed and just say that morning, thank you Lord for allowing me to make it through the night because if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't have put my feet on the floor this morning. But we're, we get distracted. Stuff is always, our mind, and it, everything is just grabbing, trying to grab your attention and take it off of what's important. Some people want to be distracted because they're miserable. Some people purposely put distractions in their life so that their attention is taken off what is important. God said that if you want peace, you will keep your mind stayed on Him. But Satan is going to do everything in his power to distract you from the Lord. He's going to distract you. He's going to throw things up. He's going to put things, enticing things. We often think of Satan as, as somebody that uses just ugly, sinful things and, and bad things. But Satan can use things that look good, things that are beautiful, things that are good to look upon. And he'll use those to distract us from what is important, and that is the Lord. Can you say amen? Another device that Satan uses, and this one, this one is, is probably one of the most prevalent things I see these days, is he uses the tool of discouragement. How many people do you know right off the top of your mind that you can think that person is discouraged? I would say if we all just sat down and thought about the people that we know for a minute, that we could say that I know a bunch of people that are discouraged. And what's sad about it is that if you went back over that list and wrote down those people and looked, you would probably say, well, half of these people are saved. Saved people can get discouraged. It's just a fact of life, isn't it? That, that sometimes things happen and, and Satan will discourage you and, and he will just do things to just try to, to bring you down. And then if you have enough discouragement, here's a word that we don't use a lot in churches, but like I said, I'm just going to be real this morning. A lot of discouragement leads to depression. That's something we don't talk about as Christians, is it? Do we talk about depression much? We should, because it's a real issue that people deal with. We, we want to come to church and... and like I said, church, I really wanted to preach a good happy shouting message this morning. Y'all wish I would have, right? But people deal. Well, there's somebody here dealing with something, no doubt, this morning. Or I wouldn't have this sermon. I believe that with all my heart. And somebody this morning may be sitting here dealing with depression. Dealing with issues that I have no idea about. That the, the people closest to you in your life have no idea what's going on in your mind. But that, mind, that your mind is a battlefield and Satan is fighting you through depression. I've heard preachers say that well, you can't be depressed if you're a Christian. That's a lie. You can be saved and be depressed. I don't, I don't, I don't endorse that. I don't think it's a good idea, but you can be. Things can happen to you when you're saved and Satan battles your mind so much that you just get, you get in a mindset where you're just not you anymore. You see those people that, that, that are not the person that they used to be. Why is that? Probably maybe because they're dealing with depression. You can find depression in the Bible. Did you know that? 
If you don't believe me, you can go over to, to I believe it's Kings, 1 Kings, I believe chapter 17, and Elijah defeats a bunch of prophets. And you would think that, that on his very best day when he defeated 450 prophets of Baal through the power of God, nothing of himself, that he would have been on cloud nine and that he would have just shouted out of there and that everything would have been going well. But no, that's not what happened. The Bible says that he was threatened by a woman, the queen, and she said, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And he went and he sat down and he was depressed. I believe that that was a case of depression. That was a case of discouragement. That Satan used that. Satan, I believe, was present there. I know he was present because he was present with those 450 people. Satan was there and he was battling that man of God. I'm talking somebody that the Bible holds in high esteem and Satan was fighting him with discouragement and with depression. If you're dealing with that this morning, you really need to admit it and, we, and it needs to be taken care of. Because you don't need to live that way. You can live another way. It's going to take the power of God. It's going to take a touch from heaven. It's going to take you admitting that there's a problem, that your mind is not where it should be, and that maybe you are dealing with discouragement. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're even dealing with distraction. But it's going to take you saying, Hold on a minute, Satan. This mind is God's mind. This mind, this person, all of me, not just part of me, not just my heart and soul, but my mind also belongs to God. It's going to take you saying, wait a minute, Satan. I can't be depressed anymore. I can't be discouraged anymore. And I'm going to deal with that. He uses discouragement. He uses depression. But here's another tool that he uses. He uses deception. What Satan will do is he will deceive you. A lot of times this is how Satan does it. I just want to throw this out there this morning. Uh, one big thing that Satan does to deceive people is he redirects the attention off of himself as the enemy that we fight. What Satan will do, we, have, we all have a common enemy this morning that we fight, and that is Satan himself. That is the forces of evil. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 describes that as the prince of the power of the air. That is our enemy this morning. But what Satan will oftentimes do is he will divert your attention off of him onto somebody else. He'll tell you that, that the Muslim's your enemy. I mean, they, they want to kill us, right? They do. The Muslim would love nothing more. Most of them, the ones, the jihadists anyways, would love nothing more than to see Christians just die. They do it in other countries. That's, but that's not our enemy. Satan will sometimes lead you to believe as a Christian that, that lost people can be your enemy. Not so. Unsaved people are not my enemy this morning. There are people I need to be concerned about. People that are on drugs and alcoholics and, and folks that just, just have a bad reputation. As Christians, those are not your enemy. You love them. Save people, hear me this morning that if you meet a drug addict out on the street, even if he's strung out on dope or you meet an alcoholic that's drunk, that man is not your enemy. You love him. You show him love. You hate his sin, but you better love him. Because he has a soul. And that soul's going to go somewhere, either heaven or hell. And that's just a little free thing this morning. 
And then Satan will also deceive you into thinking that other Christians can be your enemy. You believe that? I, I, I get tired sometimes of hearing about denominational wars, don't you? How that this certain denomination believes this and, and I don't agree with them so they must be our enemy. Or this denomination believes that and, and I, I just can't level with them so they must be the enemy. No. If a church, let me tell you how to tell if a church is a true church. Now there are people out there that call themselves uh, godly people that they're absolutely not. But if they preach Jesus crucified, risen, and coming again, that Jesus died for your sins, lived a perfect life, and was born of a virgin, and they preach that, and, and they preach that the only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ, they're, they're on to something there. They're not your enemy. They're your friend. They're your brother. We need to act like it. And we probably, Cecil, I believe this morning even mentioned, or maybe it was last night I was talking to him or yesterday, about people that work with him that's of another denomination. And, and I used to be, I'll just, I'll just confess to you, I, used, I was raised to, to think that other denominations were my enemy. That's how I was raised. I was. I, I mean, I was, I was raised in the sticks, okay? And that's just how it was. And they would tell me, they would say, you know, you don't need to listen to the Methodists, the Southern Baptists, the Presbyterian, the, the Church of Christ, the Church of God, and you just, you just stick with, with your people and you're, you'll be fine. And they pulled the wool over my eyes and made me think that those people were against me, and that's not so. But then you even pull it in just a little closer. And not just denominations, but Satan will make you think that other people in the church are your enemy. Satan will take you and he'll tell you, hey, 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 Brother Tanner, I know that this guy sitting over here, Brother Cecil, he's been talking bad about you. He's your enemy. And then before you know it, what do we do when somebody does something to us? We retaliate, don't we? It's not what the Bible says we should do, but that's what we do. That's just how we are. Satan will infiltrate our minds and he will make us think that somebody else is our enemy. And before you know it, there's a big stink stirred up and we've got problems that need to be addressed. Satan is battling for your mind this morning. He wants to take your mind off of what's important. You know what's important this morning? That people are dying and going to hell. That's important. That's important. In fact, if you're saved this morning and you hear this message, the thing that is of the utmost importance is that there are people that are eternal agents that are one day going to meet God. And they're going to meet Him in one of two states, either saved or lost. And it's up to us to tell the world about Jesus. That is important. If it's not eternal, it doesn't matter. But that, my friend, is eternal. And Satan is trying to distract you from that because if he can distract the church, if he can distract the Christian, then that probably makes his job a lot easier. If he can get us battling amongst each other as a church or as a denomination or whatever the situation may be, if he can get us doing that, then he can be over here working behind the scenes and we don't even notice it sometimes. People are going to hell. Let's stop that trend. If people must go to hell, let them go to hell with us hanging about their knees, begging them not to. Please, this morning, understand 
that Satan is going to fight you. That the battle is indeed real. That church is not just some made up thing. That this, this Bible is not just something good to read. That there are eternal lives at stake. And Satan says, I'm going to battle your mind this morning. Satan says, I'm going to try to, to take your mind from you. And I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to discourage you. I'm going to try to deceive you. Another thing I didn't even add, but another thing Satan will do, he will, he will use the, the tool of doubt. He'll make you doubt things. He'll make you doubt God is real. He'll make you doubt that you're even saved. He'll make you doubt so many things. He's in a battle for your mind. And if I stopped right there, this would be a terrible, discouraging thing, wouldn't it? But see, on the other side of that, the, the whole time that Satan is battling for you, God is also battling for your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. See, when Satan grabs a hold of your mind, what he's wanting to do is he is wanting to conform it to this world. But God says that your mind has to be transformed. And the only way that your mind will be transformed is that it is renewed by Him. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. God says that your mind needs to be renewed this morning. So the first thing you have to do is you have to admit that maybe, just maybe, that your mind's not where it should be. That your mind... I've been in church many times and my mind's not been on the service. My mind's not been on the preaching. My mind's been on a million miles away. My mind's at work or it's at home or it, it, maybe it's taking a nap in bed thinking when are we going to get out of here? And Satan, he'll distract us. And our mind is everywhere else. But you have to admit, you have to stop. You, it, it, this is a personal thing. This is not something that the church as a whole can do, but it, it is on an individual basis because God deals with individuals. We talk about church and the church is instituted by God, but God is not just, er, not just interested in the church as a whole. He's interested in individuals. He's interested in you this morning and He wants all of you, including your mind. And you have to say, now hold on a minute, now that I've sat here, now that you, maybe you said this or that I've, I've read the Bible and I've thought about it, my mind is not stayed upon the Lord. My mind may not be fixed upon Him. What can I do about that? Admit that there's a problem and then do something about it. Don't just let it keep happening. Don't just let the problem keep going on. What did Barney Fife say? He said, nip it in the bud, right? Y'all remember Barney Fife, you know, some of you older folks, maybe some of you younger folks will too. You nip the problem in the bud. How do you do that? You ask God to transform your mind and renew it. 
renew your mind. To renew something is to take something that's already been, been cleansed, been sanctified, been, been glorified, whatever, and then do it again. God, renew my mind. My mind is not on you. My mind is on the things of the world. My mind is on, on bad things. My mind is depressed. Whatever the situation may be, say, God, I need help. Cry out to God for help. When's the last time that you cried out to God and said, God, help me? That's real, isn't it? When you get to the end of your rope, then where do you go? God, help me. Somebody probably needs to say that this morning. Somebody needs to admit that their mind is off of God. Their mind is not stayed upon God and say, God, help me. And then when God renews your mind, here's two little things you can say while you're praying. I'll give this to you and then I'll be done. And and some people probably need to come pray. Ask God every single day during your prayer time. You pray every day, hopefully, right? You should. Say, number one, God, guard my mind. Guard my mind. I've often been accused as a Christian of being closed-minded. Anybody besides me ever heard that? Well, you're just too closed-minded. I tell you what, if you get too open-minded, you're going to get in trouble. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't listen to other people. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there needs to be a guard around your mind. There needs to be a filter. There needs to be something there protecting you from Satan. There needs to be something there. And I'll tell you what Ephesians chapter 6 said it was. He said, he said you put on a helmet. Ephesians 6, when Paul wrote that, he said you put on the helmet of salvation. Always keep the Lord on your mind. Always keep salvation on your mind. Always keep things of this world on your mind. Ask God, say, God, protect my mind. God, guard my mind because the world's out to get my mind. He's out to get me. God, guard me every single day. But not only do we need to ask God to guard our minds, we need to ask God to guide our minds. God, guide my mind. You should be asking God to to, to guide your heart, to to guide your soul, but guide your mind because your mind left alone is a dangerous thing. We've heard the old cliche, you know, your mind's wandering. Sometimes our mind wanders, doesn't it? I mean, not just off task, but off the Lord. Our mind wanders. And we need to ask God, we need to say, God, please get my mind back on track, focused on you, so that I can serve you, and so that I can worship you with all of me and not just part of me. We come to church and we want to worship Him with our hearts and with our souls, but we need to worship Him with our minds too. Our mind, left alone, like I said, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. You know why? Because people are depraved. People are imperfect on their own. We're imperfect people. That might as well get used to it. But God said that I'm willing to renew your mind. I'm willing to transform your mind. Just ask Him. Just ask God. Say, God, please renew my mind. God, please transform me into the person you want me to be. God, my mind is not wholly and fully and completely upon you this morning. God, help me with that. Where's Andrew? Come get your guitar, brother. Everybody stand. Bow your heads for just a moment.
I won't drag this out. I won't keep you too long. But everybody bow your heads for just a moment and ask yourself that question. Ask God to examine you this morning. It's very important that we do examinations sometimes. And ask God, say, God, is my mind on you? It's not a hard question. It's not a, a just super deep theological question this morning. But it is a question, it is a subject that needs to be addressed. Somebody this morning, no doubt, their mind is in a battle. I have no doubts that this message is going to somebody. And that God is dealing with somebody. God has said to somebody, put your mind upon me so that you can have peace in your life. Somebody this morning is going through something and there's, there's turmoil and there's distraction, there's deception, there's discouragement, there's depression. And God says, all you have to do is just ask me and I will transform and I will renew your mind so that you can do my will. Coming to an altar this morning is not admitting that you're a bad person. It's not saying, uh, I've done something terrible and I'm a bad person. And that, uh, People fight a battle, especially at invitation time. I'm going to throw this out there. That when God is dealing with people, whether saved people or lost people, if you're lost this morning, God is saying, come and be saved. You Let me transform your mind for the very first time. Let me put you on the way to heaven. And guess what's going on in your mind? Satan is battling you. Satan is trying to distract all the lost people this morning in the house that know they need to be saved. That have had the gospel preached to them numerous, just innumerable times that they know that the only way that they're going to go to heaven when they die is through the blood of Jesus. Yet Satan says, hold on, I'm going to battle your mind this morning. I'm going to distract you. I'm going to discourage you. And I'm going to deceive you. I just pray that God would help that person this morning. That God would touch that person. That God would just just touch that person's mind and, and would just put Satan at bay. And that they could come and be saved. If you need to be saved, I encourage you this morning to come and we'll have somebody down here meet you at the altar. I'll call Brother Tanner here and he can walk you through the Word, walk you down the Romans road and tell you how to be saved. But then there are Christians here this morning that are going through things that I have no idea about. They're kind of like a duck on a pond. Everything looks good and calm on the surface, but underneath, well, they're fighting for their life. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you, please come to the altar. If you won't come to the altar, I don't care if you sit in your pew and do it, but there are some people that are going through things that need to be dealt with this morning. Things that need to be addressed in their life this morning. Jesus said that I came, and He said, I want you to have an abundant life. He said that I want you to have peace in your life. God said in, in Isaiah chapter 26, perfect peace. Some of you can pray with this sister this morning. 
God said that there are things going on we don't have any idea about. People in the pews are struggling this morning. People need help. And God is the one that can give that help. And yet we ignore Him so many times. I poured my heart out this morning. I've been just real honest with you. I've dealt with a hard subject this morning. But God is real this morning. God cares about you. God is interested in you. And Satan is out to get you this morning. I just ask that you would just just humble yourself in the sight of Almighty God this morning and say, God, help me. God, renew my mind. God, transform me. God, touch. Touch each one. Lord, these, these ones that have come to the altar, God, I pray that you would help them. God, I just pray that you would bless this morning. God, you know the needs. God, so many needs are on the altar this morning. No doubt people, God, are struggling with things. People are going through things, and we don't know what they are. But God, you do. And God, you care about them. God, I just pray that you would restore a spirit of peace in their life. God, I just pray that you would touch this morning. Each one that's here, God, those people in the pew that that don't necessarily want to step out this morning, God, I pray that you would help them wherever they're at this morning. God, the message goes out to the lost people to be saved, but God, the message goes out to the Christian, Lord, help us. God, we cry out, Lord, we beg for your help because we know that our help comes from nowhere but above. God, we pour ourselves out to you this morning. God, we trust you. God, help us not to be distracted from what's important. God, help us not to be discouraged, Lord. Not to be depressed. But God, if people are depressed, God, help them. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that that you're there for them. That the only place they can run to is you. God, help. God, help us not to be deceived. And to thinking that somebody's our enemy that's not. God, I pray that you would guard the minds of each one, God. God, guide our minds. God, help us this morning because we can do absolutely nothing unless it is through you. God, help this church. God, I know for a fact that there are people this morning discouraged. God, help them. People have problems this morning. God, help them. Lord, we trust You this morning. God, we, we, Lord, I lift my hands up in praise to You, God, because You're worthy. Lord, I believe that needs have been met this morning because people got honest with You and said, God, I need You to renew my mind. God, I pray that You would touch this church. God, help them in the furtherance, Lord, of this day. God, continue to let the message resonate in people's hearts. Help us never to be too prideful to ask for help. God, help us. God, touch this morning. God, I praise You. Lord, You're worthy. More people are coming to the altar. People need prayer this morning. People need help. And I'm glad that people are willing to get help this morning. I'm glad there are people willing to admit that they can't do this on their own because we absolutely cannot. God, move this morning. Touch people. Thank You, Jesus for what you did. God, thank you that, Lord, you're on my side, that you're fighting the battle for my mind, and, God, that you can win that battle. 
God, help us this morning. Thank you, Jesus.